Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to episode 56 of the G-Man Journal podcast. I'm your host, Ben Vaccarelli, and today I am joined by a very familiar guest to this podcast, Dylan Waxman. What's up, guys? All right, so today we are going to be recapping the Giants 2020 draft, um, all picks, um, all three days. Um, this was a very exciting draft, as it was kind of the first live sports that we've had in at least six or seven weeks and probably the um, only live sports we will get for at least another three or four weeks. Um, so this was a very exciting draft. Um, really enjoyed this draft. But anyway, today we are going to be talking about all the Giants picks, like I t- said, and then we are also going to be talking about our steal of the draft, our reach of the draft, our surprise of the draft, and our fall of the draft um, as well um, In the la- as we get uh, farther into the episode, but today's episode is brought to you by Chris J. Beckerley. If you're a small business and you're looking for an account to help with your tax needs, call Chris J. Beckerley CPA. Chris J. Beckerley, we don't forget about the little guys. Big thanks to him for supporting this podcast, and we will get into it here. Um, so, yeah, Dil, um, a very interesting draft for the Giants. Yeah, I think in general, it was a pretty successful draft. Uh, I don't think there was anything that was like so amazing, but I think everything was pretty solid. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll go through and I will name all the picks here. Um, so in the first round, uh, the fourth overall pick was Andrew Thomas. We talked about that on episode 55. Um, if you guys listen to that, if not, some pretty good recap on that uh, pick in particular. Um, if you guys want to go back and listen to that. But anyway, with the second pick, uh, with their second pick, they took Xavier McKinney, safety out of Alabama, which was an absolute steal in my book. Um, with the 99th overall pick, their compensation pick in the third round, they took Matt Pert, um, an offensive tackle out of UConn. Um, with their fourth round pick, the 110th overall pick, they took Darnay Holmes, cornerback out of UCLA. With the with their fifth round pick, they took and the 100. And 50th overall pick, they take they took Shane Lemieux, guard out of Oregon. Um, with their sixth round pick, they took uh, with the sixth round pick and the 183rd overall pick, they took Cam Brown, linebacker out of Penn State. With the seventh, with their seventh, with one of their four seventh round picks, they took um, with the 100 or with the 218th overall pick, they took Carter Coughlin, linebacker out of Minnesota. With their seventh round, with another seventh round pick, their um the two hundred um thirty eighth overall pick, they took T.J. Brunson, linebacker out of uh, South Carolina. Um, with their third um seventh round pick, they t- and the two hundred forty seventh overall pick, they took Chris Williamson, um cornerback out of Minnesota, and mystery relevant, the last pick in the draft, two hundred fifty fifth overall. The Giants selected Tay Crowder, linebacker out of Georgia. Yeah. Um, so, Dill, what was what is your grade um, overall for how you think that the Giants did? Um, overall, like, um, I, I have to give it a B plus. Okay. Yeah, I I would um, agree with that. I have the same grade, a, ble- a B plus. Um, for the Giants, I think Andrew Thomas, as we talked about um, in the previous episode, I think I gave that pick a B flat. I think you gave it a C plus, right? Uh, C. 
Yeah, okay, so you give that pick a save. I think the Xavier McKinney pick I gave an A-plus for sure. I think that that's an absolute steal. A guy that was a first-round talent on basically every big board you look at. Um, I think a steal for the Giants at 36. Um, I think the Matt Pert pick um, in the third round, uh, a guy that has the physical attributes to be to be um, a solid lineman in this league, but I think some of the things um, that he needs to work on, just kind of the fundamentals, clean that up a little bit. And I think that he will honestly probably be able to compete um, for the right tackle job. Maybe not day one. He might not be your starting right tackle for the Giants, but I think overall um, maybe he can compete for that job down the line. Yeah. Uh, and then when we got into the later rounds, as the, although I think they were all pretty solid picks, we were kind of just repeating positions, um, considering we took four linebackers, three in the seventh round. Yeah. Um, I think the talent's there, and everything on that defense is so bad that to just shirt it up, I think, is solid. Although I think I, – I, no, I think it was pretty solid. Um all of it. Yeah, I, I think I like the fact that they're addressing the offensive line. I think as far as the offensive side of the ball, um, like I said, I, I, I like that they're um, focusing on the offensive line as three out of their, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten picks. Three out of their ten picks were were um, on the offensive line with two tackles and one guard. Um, it should be interesting to see what they do with Shane Lemieux. Um, if they end up deciding to maybe move him from a guard position and maybe try to use him as as a center. Yeah. Um. I think I found it somewhat surprising, at least especially in the later rounds, that they didn't end up going with any offensive skill positions. They were pretty much just going linemen offensively and then just all defense, which I like the approach because I, not that it's good, but I think the offensive skill positions might be our best part of the team. That's not saying anything, but still. Yeah, I I personally, I would have liked them take to, I would have liked to see them taking. Uh, maybe a wide receiver um, or two. Uh, KJ Hill was still on the board late. Um, I would have liked to see them him, and I think he fell to um, the fifth round. Instead, they took Shane Lemieux. Um, so yeah, an interesting draft overall. Um, I, I found the run on linebackers interesting. Um, they took two outside linebackers in Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin. Um, but then they also took um, two inside linebackers in T.J. Brunson and Tate Crowder. So I, I found the Ronald linebackers interesting. I think at this point, um, they're, they're all just kind of athletic guys who can, you know, make plays and you hope that they can develop and um, perform well at the NFL level, which is basically what you should probably try to do um, in the later rounds is just take a lot of, you know, athletic guys, a lot of, um, fast guys, talent. you know, yeah, just a lot of raw talent that might not necessarily have the ability to, to translate to the NFL game or they didn't quite translate to the college game very well. And you hope that, um, that they can, that you can develop them, um, and just take that, that raw athleticism and, t- and turn it into, into some true, um, football talent. So I think that that 
was certainly the right approach. Um, I think, I think um, you look, you know, across the NFC um, East, and you see the the Eagles adding a lot of uh, wide receiver speed. I think maybe hopping in on one of two, one or two of those would have been. Um, I would have liked that because I think you know there were a lot of speedy guys in the later rounds. Um, so. I think that, you know, maybe if they had ground, um, took a flyer on one or two, um, you know, just like I said, uh, pure athletic guys, um, I think I would have liked to see that um, in this draft. Yeah, I think the Giants had the an approach in their head, I think, that they were going to go straight for what their needs were and not – basically just like some talent in the receivers because they at least think they are better at receiver than other positions, which I don't necessarily disagree with. So I guess if that was the approach, they did a fine job. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that overall, I think that they did um, a pretty fine job. I really like um, the fact that they are um, putting an effort forth um, to shore up that offensive line which they have been doing, but they've almost kind of been throwing blind money at the offensive line and free agency and through trades, specifically Kevin Zeitler. Um, they really only have, I mean, if you think about their starting, their starting uh, line right now, it would, assuming the way I would do it at least, would be Andrew Thomas at left tackle, um, Will Hernandez at left guard, um, probably... John Halapio, if he can come back from his ACL tear this year at center, um, Zeitler at right guard, and um, I would probably have Solder at right tackle, but hopefully Matt Pert can compete for that job, as well as some other guys like Nick Gates and Cam Fleming compete for that job. So I think that if you look at that offensive line, if th- they've only drafted two of their two of their um, presumptive starters on that line, and they've signed um, two of the starters. and Or they signed – yeah, they signed two of the starters and traded for one in Zeitler. Um, I think overall, um, I think that, you know, if you look at what they had coming into the draft, as far as the O-line goes, you have Solder at left, um, Hernandez at – guard, um, Jalapio at center, Zeitler at right guard, and then you kind of have a bunch of nonsense going on at right tackle between Fleming and Nick Gates and whoever else wants to compete for that job. So I think that coming in, they only had one guy that they truly um, drafted and has come through. Everyone else has either been traded for or signed in free agency, which I don't think is the way to go. I like that they are throwing that not throwing, but they are putting a lot of draft 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 capital forth um, into this offensive line. Yeah, I agree. yeah. Okay. Um, one more thing I want to address before we move on from just the Giants solely is I think overall it was interesting to me because I think what they're banking on this year is they're banking on another terrific season from Barkley, which um, which I think is, is fair to expect. I think hopefully last year was just a matter of an atrocious offensive line. And 
injuries um, coming into the year, and I hope that he can have another um, outstanding year such like his rookie season. I know he didn't have an awful year by grand standards, but I think I think it was kind of an average running back year, whereas he had a very much so above average year, his rookie year, um, for running back standards. So I think that they're banking on um, a solid year for him. But then I also think that they're banking on um, the health of Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram um, to, you know, to, to be fully healthy throughout the year so that Daniel Jones can at least have some weapons. They're banking on another terrific season from Slayton. And I think that, you know, they're kind of banking on this offensive line as well, even though they did um, address it in the draft, which, which I like overall. Um, but I think that, you know, it's interesting to me because they're not, you know, they're, they're helping Barkley and Jones, right. But they're not, they're not exactly surrounding Jones with, with weapons. I mean, I know because, and I'm not saying if you look at on paper, they have a decent um, receiving corpse and their tight end is solid, but the health to me is a question for that. That and um, I think was were last year were the weapons necessarily the problem? No, and I think I know they took three offensive line win, um, and they could have spent one of the three offensive line and picked on a receiver. But I think I think getting a decent offensive lineman or a decent offensive line to hopefully stop him from fumbling as much and allow Saquon to have a more successful season than last year is more important than necessarily Daniel Jones having the weapons. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And the other thing I want to move on to the defense um, here is I found it interesting how edge rusher really has not been a priority at all. They, it, I have a hard time seeing them generating a lot of pressure this year because, I mean, they didn't address it in free agency. They didn't go get um, a clowny or any of the other top edge rushers, and they also, you know, they didn't bring back Marcus Golden. They signed Leonard Williams to an awful franchise tag, which I'm hearing now might move up to 17 mil because Leonard Williams is filing a grievance that he's uh, de-end, which would give him another million dollars, and that would just make it look even worse because giving him de-end money is not the way to go, in my opinion. Um, so yeah. I think that, I mean, overall, they're, they're really banking on this secondary. They improved it, obviously, with McKinney and Holmes, um, as well as Williamson, Chris Williamson, um, later on in the draft. Um, but I think that they're really banking on a breakout year from, from DeAndre Baker and, and a real improvement on that secondary, because if that secondary plays anything like it did last year with Marcus Golden gone. I mean, if you look at the snack, the sack numbers from the guys that that they have from last year, it, it's it's close to zero. Um, because I mean, not close to zero, but it's probably under under six. Um, I mean, I'm not positive on that, but I think overall that they really didn't address the edge rusher um, problem in. This free uh, then the free agency and the draft, which which is concerning to me. 
Uh, yeah, and I think the Giants had a bunch of good opportunities to go edge rusher, um, particularly in the second and fourth round. Um, with the second, I think Yeter Grossmatos um, could have been the guy at their pick in the second round. I'm not faulting the McKinney pick. I think it was a great pick, but I think that was a good option. Or in the early fourth round, I personally think they should have selected Curtis mm-hmm. Weaver over Darnay Holmes, but... I don't mind them addressing the secondary either. So I think like all of these picks, like even if they weren't helping with one need, they were still helping with another need because the Giants are needy in every position except for running back and at least they think quarterback. Um, right. So I, I think every pick was solid just because they were addressing needs pretty much every yeah. time. Okay, so that I think will wrap it up for the Giants recap. Now we will move on to um, – to um, our uh, steal, reach, surprise, and fall um, of the drafts. So, Dill, why don't you start things off? Who was the steal of the draft for you? Um, so, I was between a few guys. I think my two main guys were in earlier rounds because I think they were standouts. Wait. With Jeff Gladney going 31st to the Vikings, you guys already know if you listen to either of our podcasts that I love that pick for the Vikings because um, I had him going around 19 and he fell to 31. And then obviously Xavier McKinney. Um, and I have to go with Jeff Gladney. And the only reason for that is besides the Cowboys, a lot of the teams between like 17 and 36 where he ended up going were not needy- needing – um, safeties where teams were needing quarterbacks and they just passed on Gladney for other guys. So I think Jeff Gladney is the okay. The draft. steal of the draft for me is J.K. Do- is J.K. Dobbins um, falling to fifty six. Yeah. So I think in if I'm not mistaken in the sec- two round mock draft you had the Ravens going DeAndre Swift in Again, the first right. round. Yeah. Um. So I guess I think the running back logical if you really don't bank or if you wouldn't bank on um Mark Ingram keeping uh what he did last year which was obviously a great season I think that's a good pick but I don't know I personally was not high on Dobbins as a prospect um and trust me I went up against this guy because he played Wisconsin just as much um as Chase Young and he was terrifying as well along with everybody on that team but I don't think he is was a early second round value so I don't think that was that big of a steal but I think it was a good pick for the Ravens. Yeah um okay so now we will move on to the reach of the draft um me personally um I have Damon the Damon Arnett pick at 19. Um me as well uh I know how I'm both of mine have been first round I think I think when you get to like especially day three Saturday People can vary from fourth through sure. seventh round, and it's not that big of a reach. Where if it's like an important pick, like the Raiders had one at nineteen, and you're taking a second or third round talent, maybe even worse, then it is a complete reach. So Damon Arnett was a horrible pick. It's by far yeah, the but reach I mean for sure. I think that I agree with you when you're talking about you know the steal and reach. Um, and stuff like that of the draft, most of it's going to be in the first or second round. Because like you said, you know, Dill, once you get to um, to Saturday, um, day three um, of the draft, for the most part, most guys will fall under that four, 
to, to seven range, most guys will be like either four or five round draft picks. Other guys will be five through seven round draft picks, you know, and it really varies. So those types of guys are, you know, the ones um, where it's, you know, one draft analyst might have, you know, them being a fourth round talent and another one might have, you know, the them being a sixth round talent. Um, and either way, it's not widely considered a reach or a steal. Um, but I think w- when you move up and you look at the first or second round, for the most part, most draft analysts will have very similar big boards with, you know, some some varying um, throughout. But I think, you know, for sure, when you look at a Damon Arnett guy, a guy who was projected um, by some draft analysts to go in the third round, other guys had him going as late as the late fourth, early fifth round, and to go at 19, that's a complete and total reach, um, like Dill said. Um, but anyway, we will now move on. Who um, was your surprise of the draft? Um, so, again, I think I was leaning towards somebody in the first or second round. Um, I know in my podcast you suggested Jalen Hurts. Um, I think that would make sense. I, I don't see what the Eagles or specifically Howie's approach is with taking another quarterback, I guess. Um, I guess he either does not believe in Wentz's injury uh, or his health because um, he gets hurt consistently. Uh, but I have to go with my surprise of the draft, the Packers, trading up to 26. Yeah, to I had this going Love. either way between um, Hurts or Love, and I was basically just going to say whichever one. You didn't. I think that there were both shockers. Um, since you went with Love, I'll go with Hurts. Um, I think I think that overall, um, you know, it should be interesting to see whether they they mentor um, they mentor um, uh, they mentor Hurts as a straight up backup quarterback, and he will be, you know, your backup quarterback. Um, with with I mean which matters for the Eagles when Wentz is getting hurt. Sure, but I think I think it does matter overall and I think that, that it depends on when we look back and I think whichever way they develop him, whether it's as a straight up backup quarterback or whether it's, you know, as a a, tight, a Taysom Hill um type guy who actually got an extension um yesterday, um, as you know, just kind of that do it all very athletic type of guy I think at that point you know if he can get um if he can get those types of Taysom Hill reps then maybe it's not as big of a reach or doesn't make as makes a little more sense but I think if they mentor him as a straight up backup quarterback then in my opinion it doesn't make sense at all because I think you can still get a quality backup quarterback in in the later rounds you know we saw Easton and from fall um a little bit um, and go in those later rounds. So I think, I think it should be interesting to see what they do. But either way, um, it still was definitely a surprise to me. Um, as soon as it happened, so um, that is my surprise of the draft. Now the last one here. Who is your most surprising fall of the draft? Wait, wait, wait. Um. So I, I'm not sure. I was thinking like. Earlier rounds, I I was quite frankly surprised about um, Xavier McKinney's big fall. Uh, I personally had to go 17th to the Cowboys. He obviously fell to the second round to us. Um, I 
I, I feel like it's got to be that. I think a guy, once again, a first-round talent or, like, a, a middle, like, not, like, a late first-round talent falling to the beginning of the second round, but, like, a 17, a top 20 prospect um, falling all the way to the first round or second round has got to be the most surprising one. So I think I've got to Okay, I'm giving this one to Zach Bond. Um, one of your guys out of Wisco, a lot of people had him going um, in the early or in the later first rounds, and if people didn't, um, they had him most likely going um, in the um, in the um, early uh, second round. I had him going 36, the Giants. Um, he fell all the way to 74, um, to the Saints, I believe. Um, I, I think that has to be the fall of the draft. Um, it, it just, um, I think most guys, um, had him being, um, a, a late first, early second talent. Um, and he fell all the way to the third round. So that's the fall of the draft for me. So I don't know if you saw, but I think I read the Zach Bond, like half failed yeah, drug test. I, I saw that, um, but I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure about what that meant. So I guess maybe that maybe that has something to do with it. But, I mean, I kind of ignored it because it wasn't – because, I don't know, because what I heard was it was, like, he, he like, half failed it. Like, he, like, kind of failed it but didn't fail it. So I, right. didn't, I didn't understand it. So I kind of ignored it. I guess that could be a reason that he fell so much. But I'm sure the NFL teams know more about that than, than I do. Um, we do. So but maybe yeah. that might be the reason um, he fell, but I think either way, um, I think either even with those types of PED or whatever um, it was, types of concerns that I think I think that um, I also did read that that it wouldn't affect him in the NFL um, under the new CBA or something like that. Um, so I think that. If it's not going to affect, sure, it draws some red flags. So maybe he falls to to maybe like the mid-second round. But I think falling all the way to the third is still a very surprising fall for me. Uh, yeah, I got to point out that um, as we go back, not necessarily related to the drafts whatsoever, but um, as you were talking about Jalen Hurts technically being used as like a Taysom Hill type guy, I just wondered, what are the Saints doing? I know the James Winston signing. I don't mind it. I think if you um, if you really think Breeze is done um, and Winston's the guy, then I think it's fine. I always personally thought Taysom Hill could be the guy at quarterback. Um, maybe you consider Taysom Hill more yeah. of a receiver um, type guy. I personally don't. I think, one, he has the talent to be a solid quarterback in the NFL. But also, you look at his college, and I'm not saying that's all that matters, but he was very good in college besides a lot of injuries. Um, I think Taysom Hill should be the guy moving forward, but I don't I don't see what they're doing with all these quarterbacks or potential so quarterbacks. The way signings. I interpreted it was the, the Jameis signing is only a one-year deal. So I think at least the way I'm looking at it is they're looking at Winston being their backup quarterback for this year. So Breeze gets hurt. They feel as though they need to rest him as he is getting up there in age. Winston steps in. Um, I think that if they, if they're, and then I think that 
Taysom Hill continues to be that wildcat type of guy this year. Um, but I think with Winston only being a one-year deal, maybe Peyton and company wants another year to groom Taysom Hill into continuing to being that wildcat role, but also eventually becoming a straight-up quarterback and, you know, still an athletic guy that can, you know, a dual threat, but not necessarily a type of guy that will, you know, catch touchdowns and um, as well and be, you know, your do-it-all guy. Um, I think that the way I see it, at least, Winston is your one-year backup and you continue to use Hill as a wildcat while you groom him into being um, a, a kind of regular quarterback. That's the way I see it, at least. Yeah, I think that yeah. that makes sense. All right, so, Dill, if you have nothing else to say, I think that that will wrap up this episode here. Yeah, uh, this was a fun one, obviously. Recapping a very, uh, if not interesting because of all the digital, but just fun because it was the first sports we've seen in a while. It was a good draft. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, successful for the Giants, so... Overall, pretty good. Yeah. Um, All right. So tomorrow draft. will mark the first year anniversary of the G-Men Journal. Um, we will. I will be putting out another episode. I hope to have Dylan on that one. Um, as we will wrap up um, the Giants' free agency and draft, and just kind of talk about it a little more as a whole. That will probably be a shorter episode. Um, but anyway, so tomorrow, um, April twenty eighth. Um, will mark um, GMAT Journal one year. Um, so that will basically have been um, 57 episodes, I believe, um, as the one you are listening to now is 56. So 57 in one year, um, pretty solid. That's averages out to um, a little bit more than once a week. I will commit to doing once a week um, ag- at least um, again this year um, coming up. Um, as we move into year two of the G-Men Journal. But anyway, um, thank you for listening. Please uh, tune in um, to the episode tomorrow with hopefully Dylan on. Um, But anyway, um, this has been episode 56. Hope you guys enjoyed. Bye-bye.